Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello everyone and welcome back to Pixels. This is a show where we cover the game industry news and uh, gaming in general for mobile, PC, uh, well, consoles as well sometimes. My name is Patrick Beja and today we're going to be talking about Destiny 2 at length. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of other news as well first, but then we're going to be talking about Destiny 2 at length. So you've been warned. Uh, and to help me cover that amazing game that we have sunk dozens of hours into already is the one, the only John Horstman, uh, also known as Kick Tripod, host of many fine podcasts, uh, Well Met, uh, the, the, the Payload. I mean, hey, Thank you for staying up, like, well, for waking up at one in the morning, your time to be on the show. Patrick, I'm I'm ecstatic. I'm absolutely ecstatic to be here. I was telling you before the show how proud I am of my uh, time planning to make it <laughs> so that I'm wide awake at 1 a.m., but I'll be able to go right back to sleep, make sure I get a solid seven and a half, eight hours, start off my work week. I wouldn't miss it for the world, and I'm serious when I say that. Well, may- maybe some things <laughs> I'd miss it for, but just about anything, I, I don't think I would miss it for. So right. I- maybe, I'm excited maybe, to be here. Maybe if Bungie promised you like uh, advanced access to the PC version of Destiny 2, that could you know possibly uh, make it worth not being on the show, but that's maybe that the only maybe- thing. <laughs> Honestly, maybe maybe just a couple of those uh, those bright engrams with those uh, little microtransaction-y things. Uh-huh. You know, I'm going broke from those, Patrick. <laughs> oh, you're you're using, buying them? Uh, don't judge me. Okay? <laughs> I'm not. I'm just surprised. I I, I never buy those, but uh, no, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm happy you for are. you. Is, is what I meant to say. Yeah, <laughs> um, I am- happy for me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get back to uh, Destiny in a little bit. But first, a bunch of things happened in the wonderful world of video games, and we're going to cover them. And uh, first is the Nintendo Direct that happened last week, where, I mean, Nintendo Direct, there were a lot of tiny announcements, a little bit on uh, Mario Odyssey, which is still one of my most anticipated games ever. But some surprising things. Uh, the the most surprising one, I think, was the fact that we're going to get uh, Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus, and Doom coming to the Nintendo Switch. Doom meaning the uh, recent version from a couple of years ago. 
which maybe last year, which I did not expect because the console is obviously not very powerful uh, and those games are recent. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to be their, their best version uh, of the of the their, those games uh, graphically, but they're still going to be on the console. And not only is it a little bit surprising because it's recent uh, uh, modern PC type games, but also they're quite violent. And I'm not saying Nintendo doesn't have violent games, but it's always nice to uh, see that, well, I don't mean it's nice to see violence on the Nintendo Switch, um, but it's not the usual uh, things that we expect on those consoles, even though I know there were a lot of uh, more, let's say, less children-friendly games on other Nintendo consoles as well. Um, So that was cool. Uh, and then there's Arena, yeah. Arena of Valor, which is a MOBA by Tencent. I mentioned it on this show a few times. It's basically the mobile king of MOBAs uh, that it's honor of kings in China. But uh, Tencent owns Riot, which does League of Legends. And this is the equivalent to League of Legends on um, the, the mobile uh, platforms. And they're coming to Nintendo Switch. So the Switch is also going to have its own MOBA. And then a couple nice. of uh, oh, actually, yeah, John, do you have Switch fever? So I I I did a despicable thing, Patrick, when it when the Switch came out, and uh, I'm not proud of it, <laughs> but I'm glad I did it. You know, when the Switch came out, no one did could you, get them. Did you go uh, roam the streets, find a kid that had a Switch, punch him in the face, and steal it from him? Just about, <laughs> it, yeah. It was the uh consumerist e- equivalent of that i would say um <laughs> is uh, yeah i bought a switch for about only like fifty dollars more than what you could buy it in store so i i felt really great about the purchase but uh i bought it like some dude went out and bought two and is like you know sold it and for some reason way way undersold the other ones were going for like double triple the value this is like fifty dollars more, and I'm like, do I really, do I really like no. want to make a principled stand here for fifty dollars? Not that fifty dollars isn't a lot. I'm, I'm, but I, yeah. So I went out and got it for fifty, fifty extra bucks. Oh, okay, that's it. That's the end of the story. I was really afraid you were gonna say, and then I sold it for like double the and price, then, and, and then profited. I sold it for triple. No, no, oh, no. All right, all right. I have then a switch. Okay. I. I I have one. I really enjoy it, except my fiance Katie, uh, is so addicted to Breath of the Wild. I think I've gotten to play maybe 15 hours. <laughs> it's oh, uh, yeah, so that's I, conceptually, I still think it's a great platform. But uh, I really think that uh, bringing like more multiplayer into the Switch, I think, is really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, something that you know, the Switch was kind of. Founded, not not founded on, but one of the big things that they advertised the in the beginning, yeah. yeah, was you know a bunch of bunch of cool kids hanging out at the basketball court playing NBA two K seventeen or whatever together. <laughs> and uh, I I want that. I bought you know I'm starting to learn to play basketball just so that I can <laughs> play, play play on the streets, you know. So. Right. That's what I want. And I would much rather be Wolfenstein or a MOBA 
than NBA because I'm awful at that game. Cool. Well, then you can go play. Well, I don't know if there's going to be multiplayer in, in Wolfenstein or Doom, but certainly in uh, in the MOBA, in Arena of Valor, there will be some form of multiplayer, I'm guessing, uh, unless you need to use the touchscreen for that as well, which I'm not sure. We'll see. But um, yeah, cool. So you're you're switching it up, which is, uh, I'm very <laughs> proud of you for that. And those 50 bucks were well spent. Um, I think the, so too. <laughs> those extra 50 bucks, I should say. Uh, the, they're also, they've also announced they're bringing the NES Classic back in 2018. And not only that, but they also, um, they also said that the Super Nintendo, uh, Entertainment System Classic is going to see more manufacturing, uh, into next year. And I love that that part of the story because it really puts to rest that ridiculous idea that conspiracy theorists always go to that oh that manufacturer is is artificially constraining uh, uh availability so that the prices can go high and like what i always say in those situations is you know unless you're some kind of insane luxury um uh you know brand uh manufacturer like diamonds and and five thousand bucks bags you're not going to want to restrain uh you know availability you're going to be wanting to sell it's ridiculous to not want to sell uh, the, your product to people who want to buy it unless again you're in that special category and uh so nintendo i think it was uh regis fiseme uh, president of nintendo of america who said guys do not pay more for this uh you know super nes than you than the retail price because there's more coming like don't pay more than you should and uh yeah so i love that that example of a company actually saying you're we're, we're, it, there will be more don't this is not artificially us trying to do anything we're making as many as we can given the conditions and you'll get more so that's good to know as well. And then there's Yeah, I don't I don't believe them though, Patrick. I need to <laughs> I need to be honest with you. I don't I don't believe them for a second. Uh, I I have a tech background. I work for I worked for a certain fruit company that probably, okay. you know, furnishes your smartphone and we we got like the same rumors and stuff. So I, I agree with you 100%. Like there's th this idea of artificially constraining um, that there's just warehouses of these things sitting somewhere is, and they're trickling yeah, it out or like telling, ludicrous. telling the, the factories like, no, 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 just slow down. Don't many, don't make as many as you can, or like using just one line instead of two or yeah. Yeah. What they're actually doing with the NES classics is they've got them in the box at headquarters <laughs> and they're putting them on their laps to cool their laptops. So they just put it right on top. They're not even using them for the right purpose. They're just, right. you know, like, Hey, we could, we could buy some TV trays or, you know, we could just use these leftover NES uh, classics that we're not, yeah. that we're not sending out to people. That sounds and, uh, like a completely believable scenario. I'll, I'll go with that one. Absolutely. You heard it here first. And uh, there's another thing about uh, the NES. Apparently, there is a, an NES emulator hidden inside the Switch system. Uh, some data miners found that along with the Golf game. Uh, now, that doesn't mean it's ever going to be activated or anything. But 
At least it would indicate, if that's accurate, that Nintendo played with the idea of including an NES emulator inside the Switch itself and for some reason left it in the final code. Um, so that could, I mean, I would much rather have virtual console with games that carry over from previous times I've purchased them um, and the Super NES would be better than the NES. But um, yeah, there's some some tiny ray of hope in there. And then player unknowns battleground like never stops breaking records. I think this might be the last one we hear about for a while. It's basically been every episode we've had uh, a new record from uh, PUBG and this time it's the fact that it has become the highest uh, the 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 game with the highest concurrent user peak in all of Steam's history. It reached uh, 1.35, 1.34 million players. And the previous one, as we mentioned, was Dota 2. That was around 1.29 million players. So they went over at least once Dota 2. And that, I think, cements its position as the bombshell of 2017, um, which is, you know, a difficult year to be a bombshell in because there are so many things happening. But... um, Patrick, you said that it broke a lot of records. I agree with you. But I will say there are a few records that I don't think people are talking about. Number one, the most desync issues of 2017. <laughs> uh, the most crashed servers of 2017 and the most ridiculous vehicle mishaps of 2017. Fix well, I- your game. <laughs> the thing, oh, all right, all right, all right. I think it's one of those times when it can revert to well, this is early access. The game is not out yet. You're just, at, you know, playing the game as it's being developed, which is not untrue. So, it's, and, and it's not untrue, but you saw, I mean, we're going to talk about it in just a second, but the battle royale mode for Fortnite, right? Same thing. 100 players get launched onto an island, and, uh, you know, we, we play survival here. I've played probably about 10 hours. Of this of this game and it's smooth. And well, I don't I don't I don't get it. I don't I don't understand why a game that is as big as Player Unknown's Battlegrounds and has been out for so much longer in in early access. I totally give you that. Uh, is having trouble still with those issues? Well, I'll, and we we've got I'll tell first you person. Why. Okay, tell me why. <laughs> Well, Fortnite is a relatively tiny game with a mid-sized developer behind it, Epic Games, and, you know, people can fly. And uh, PlayerUnknown's Battleground is developed by Bluehole, which is a very small developer. And even more importantly than all of this, they've had an incredible explosive growth. It's really hard to get uh, on a game they're still developing, by the way, uh, and it's really hard to get all of these issues uh, stabilized as you're adding like 2 million players every two weeks. It's, it's absolutely not the same thing. And the fact that there are, you know, uh, uh, difficulties in the development of the game is to be, if you remember when world of Warcraft first launched and there was this kind of explosive growth, the company couldn't really keep up for the first few months. It was sometimes you had like incredible cues and yes, the game worked when you logged in, but it's not, you know, I don't think it's fair to compare 
a game with the population of PUBG and a game with the population of Fortnite, which I'm sure is very successful, but you know, not to that extent. I, I definitely, I, I definitely will give you that. There's definitely far more people playing PUBG than there are Fortnite. I, I will still say the the fact that the company says we're not going to pursue microtransactions until we're live and shipped. And now, you know, they're working on they worked on microtransactions <laughs> and have it in early access. But then give it give me this answer of like, well, we don't have enough development power to to, you know, <laughs> fix, you know, relatively I, they're, they're not simple issues. Right. Yeah. I, I don't want to say that they're relatively simple issues, but I will say that they were they are foundational issues Things that you kind of, I, I feel like as as a game developer, you want to tackle first before but going to microtransaction is, <laughs> is what you're saying. Yeah, well, especially after you say, "Hey, we're not going to do microtransactions until after we officially launch," and then <laughs> they, what was it? It was a weird. It was during the whole Doctor Disrespect debacle. Um, where he team killed on stream and that whole back back and forth thing, but it was during that time where you know they had, they had explicitly said that they were working on other features rather than they said it much much more PR like of course, but ultimately it came down to saying hey we're you know we've got a lot of features we want to send out we've been working on you know these microtransaction features. Here and I'm like, dude, I can't even I can't even see the guy's parachute in front of me when I'm landing. <laughs> like, can I? So what you're saying is, first? what you're saying is, uh, on top of reaching peak population, we've reached uh, peak internet, where players who initially loved the game now start saying, "Blah, developer sucks. We have these and these issues. This game is not being fixed. What the hell are you doing, Blue Hole?" And the internet has happened is what you're saying. And you're part yeah, of the internet, it's, basically. It's definitely not... Yeah, okay, Patrick, you win. Yep, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's not justified, you know? There are lots of people complaining about other games that are... The thing is, when you immerse yourself into one game, you, you start knowing it so well that you see a lot of the smaller issues um, than people who not don't necessarily play it as much. And I think it's the same for all of them. You know, people who complain a lot about uh, League of Legends and all of these games, uh, Hearthstone and Overwatch. And you, you'll find people who complain about it a lot that previously just had nothing but love for that game. And I think that's what I happens when you get so immersed in it that you see every little, you know, you, you thought everything was flat and then you're so close to it that you see every little ridge and every little ridge seems like something unacceptable. I'm not saying that's what's happening with uh, PUBG. Maybe there are things that are actually unacceptable, but uh, that's what it feels like a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the game. I, I I would be lying to say if I was a like a hardcore player, I'm not. I've got maybe like 50 hours in total on PUBG, like enough to be familiar, but not yeah, enough to be nothing. like, mm -hmm. yeah, but yeah, not enough to be like, Oh, let's go to you. Know, I, I can't even announce the cities or uh, <laughs> pronounce the city's names right. yet. You know, like I'm still learning through those, those types of terminologies and things, but 
for me as somebody who's very accustomed to uh, shooter games, it's you know the, the it's obvious when the system when you're shooting and where you're shooting isn't lining up, and I feel like that is fundamental to a shooter. Right. And right. I would I would rather them even like gate off capacity. And uh, then let everybody in and give everybody a bad time, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I understand. I don't think people have been having a bad, bad time. That's not the feedback I've been getting. Um, but I mean, it's breaking I, I, records. It's fun yeah. enough to like overlook. Exactly. But I think a lot of that ah. would be if you were in that situation of you know having to handle those ten million players in in less than a year in like six months of existence, I think the perspective would be somewhat different. But uh, I don't know. Well, that's that, the, the criticism is still valid. Um, but moving on, um, Battleborn is, <laughs> is a game <laughs> that has been having uh, some issues as well. Namely, not many people are playing it. Um, and now they've mentioned, they've announced that they're not going to be uh, working on additional content for that game. Um, which I'm not going to be hypocritical and say it's a shame because I never really played the game. Uh, I tried it and it didn't work for me, but it's an example of um, the victim of Overwatch, really. They had the misfortune of coming out, of being similar enough to Overwatch and coming out close enough to it that it was overshadowed. And um, the interesting thing is that Lowbreaker is apparently having the same issue Um They're still uh, they're still pushing the game and and promising that they're going to be working on it. But they had like latest thing I've seen was there were seventy thousand people who bought it on Steam, and uh, the peak was usually uh, uh, under three hundred players. Like peak <laughs> peak popularity, peak uh, uh, concurrency. That and and I mean both of those happened to come out too close to a juggernaut so that's kind of sad for for them but i guess that's the game you play Ooh, and talking about uh uh fortnite and you mentioned the battle royale mode there is a lot of people predicting that PUBG's success is going to mean battle royale modes in everything and fortnite is probably the first one um going there so that's a, a yeah. an interesting development as well so Battle Royale. I really liked. Have you have you played Fortnite? Have you tried the battle royale mode? I, I haven't even played the base game. Um, it's available. It's early access, isn't it? Or is it completely out? It's it's early access, but this one. But works. it works. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been I've played it a little bit, and it's re it's a really cool. I mean, the island has to be, or like the map has to be like half the size of PUBG where you put in a hundred players, but it's like, it's a really cool concept of being able to build and destroy things as you're going through. Um, you know, you know, somebody's up on that second story building, watching a stairwell. Well, fine. I'm going to build a little ramp up to the second story and I'm going to, so, you know, take down the wall and jump in, you know, wait a second. Really cause cool. I think a, a lot of listeners might not know exactly what Fortnite is. Uh, it's a, it's a basically third person shooter. If not, I'm not mistaken, team third person shooter where you can actually have a, uh, 
building phases where you build your fort and then you have to defend it against the oncoming hordes of zombies and that's the the base mode right and then they put yeah in it's like royale. a tower defense like a third person tower defense that's team based yeah yeah right. it's it's really cool so the, really the cool base con- mode is concept. fun and this battle royale mode is fun as well definitely especially if it if the base mode doesn't scratch that itch for multiplayer which i would completely understand this is just like hey look at our engine now get play you know placed with a hundred other players and may the best person win is it a free to play it is not so it's it's part of the base game the base game i believe is thirty dollars so that's early for access. I'm, I'm checking it out now. It's going to be free to play when it comes out in 2018. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's microtransactions galore. If I would say that there's one really negative thing I don't like about Fortnite, and for me it's not enough, I would still say get it. But it's it's very microtransaction heavy. Um, after after what you initially get. Um, but even more so, there's like nine different currencies that they have to manage um, between like you have like gold and dust and you have survivors and lead survivors <laughs> and you have uh, schematics for weapons and schematics for traps. And you have right. a lot of different things. But it's still a good game. You still recommend it. It's still a very good game, but it's it's you're going to take probably 10, 12 hours to even just get acclimated to why why do I have six, seven different tabs of just the different type of quote unquote currencies in the right. game. Well, if a um, third person uh, tower defense slash battle royale. Uh, appeals to you, then you can go with the early access. It's probably around thirty bucks, I'm guessing. Um, yep. But then you can, if you're not that into it, you can wait for it to go free to play in 2018, and then uh, play it then. And given you know the uh, crazy, I've I've named that phenomenon by the way on my French show. Um, the idea that you get there are so many good games that you have uh to wait you have to select games that you are interested in but not super interested in you have to uh basically put them out of your gaming list because there are other games that are better that you really want to play like you have to select out good games for better games i think this is the uh 2017 axiom the axiom 17 uh, so there you go. Yeah. That's the rule. That's the thing. It's a thing now. Uh, if we're right. being honest, it happened in 2016 as well, but I think it's going to be a thing going <laughs> forward. forward. So Axiom 2017 is that rule. There you go. Yeah. Uh, quick, very quickly, uh, a few other things. Uh, South Park, <laughs> the fractured but whole, <laughs> has a hilarious, very South Park uh, setting of difficulty, where the difficulty you you choose in your game uh, changes your skin color. Basically, your skin color uh, determines your difficulty. Uh, it doesn't change the difficulty in the combat itself, but everything else is more difficult. Like people are slower to warm up to you and, and give you stuff. They ask more if you have a quest, like you have to get more um, 
of an item <laughs> uh, to complete the quest and stuff like that. And oh. that is incredibly, like, it's obviously offensive. It's uh, social commentary in the way South Park does it best. Uh, and I thought it was hilarious and kind of depressing that this is, you know, this makes sense. So um, I did want to mention it. Yeah, I mean, if people aren't upset about a, what a South Park game you know, has or is doing like, I feel like it's not a very good South Park game at that point. And they could just like, let the Simpsons do it. Right. Or something, you know, because yeah, it's, I've come to grow to grow accustomed to it. I'm not a huge South Park guy. I've probably seen 10 episodes in total, but I can totally appreciate that kind of space that they live in of nothing is off limits. Everything is free game. And, you know, we're going to they they have the ability and therefore kind of almost a responsibility to like as content creators, whether via TV show or video game to like really push those boundaries. And I'm glad to see after what they're on, like season 24 or something like that, (laughs) uh, that they're still doing that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I think it's cool that they're doing this in the gaming world as well. I mean, it's South Park, so it's more the comic than uh, than the the video game, I suppose. Right. But it's still a legitimate vet video game. And the fact that they bring in social com- commentary in that, that super biting uh, way into this world is, you know, I think is is appropriate. So I just. I just want to know what that game will like be thought of in like 30 years from now. You know, I'm going to be, you know, almost 60 years old and we'll talk about the game where the difficulty was determined by <laughs> skin color and what that actually means and how that holds up. Yeah. Over I think the, it, you know, yeah. Time. If there's if there's you know uh, historical studies and and uh, of social commentary that that probably will stand out more than people bashing others over the head with a pen in in PUBG. You know, that's that's yeah, the kind of thing true. that remains. Uh, yeah. Magic the Gathering is going to be putting out uh, basically Wizards of the Coast is going to be putting out another Magic the Gathering digital game, and that one is going to be uh, fast paced and easy to follow. So if you if I, I think they misspelled uh, a little bit more like Hearthstone in that uh, article in that yeah. quote, um, but uh, yeah, I mean the more the merrier. It's it's cool, but it's another. Uh, sign of the influence of those games that basically become juggernauts and influence everything we were talking about overwatch and and PUBG in its in its uh, own oh what's happening my arm is ringing all right we're good uh, <laughs> and, and PUBG you know is probably going to influence other games to go into battle royale modes <laughs> over the next few years and uh yeah so if you're looking for an easier to get into Magic the Gathering, Magic the Gathering Arena, I believe is how it's called, is going to be coming out soon. And the Magic the Gathering Battle Royale mod <laughs> is coming out three months after that, yeah. You you drop a hundred summoners inside the same arena and everyone casts oh. uh, cards all around. It's going to be fun. Oh, and some of them oh are dear. frying pan cards. Uh, <laughs> okay. 
And then finally, uh, Blizzard has announced their opening their own esports arena in Los Angeles. And uh, that one surprised me a little bit because initially I thought it was like an actual sports arena for esports. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is incredible. Actually, when I thought about it a little bit more, first of all, it's a relatively small uh arena it's it's a few hundred uh seats from what i understand and second of all they're having so many so many esports uh competitions and and things all the time of course the overwatch league but not only it's it makes sense that they need a space to to uh shoot this and stream it to the world so the fact that they would have their own esports arena is a little bit of Clever branding, I think, for a studio for their uh, esports yeah. competitions, which which works, which is great. But um, yeah, it's it's less oh my god e than I initially thought. It's still very cool, but uh, yeah. So it is. This is this is also going to be for Overwatch League season one. This is going to be course. where they're at, yeah, as well. And so it it makes sense. They needed a place. I think that they're being really conservative in the the size of the venue. Better mm. to have a couple hundred people packed out than to have a 3,000, 4,000 seat, you know, That's half empty, bowl yeah. or whatever. And yeah, not be able to fill the seats. Um, yeah. So yeah. I'm really excited about this, though. I've you and I both have a lot of friends in in California and. I, I get out there quite a bit, so I definitely want to see it in action in person. So you're going to go see our friends at Blizzard and uh, hopefully uh, get a chance to go into the Blizzard Arena. How's it called? Please, Blizzard Esports Place thing. I yeah, I want word. I want like season ticket. Like I want a season <laughs> ticket skybox. Like how cool would it be to have a uh, Pixels like skybox where you could you know you could your season tickets to like overwatch league that would be be nice if they provide the teleporter to get to uh la you know in the same uh in the same uh with the skybox that that would work just just use that private pixels jet (laughs) i'll i'll think about it it it's uh it's uh often used to go to japan as well so i don't know if it's going to be available although you know you can go around and then do the trip around uh, from you keep going east you land in los angeles eventually so that that could be arranged um all right well that's it for the uh gaming general gaming news there's a bunch of other things happening but we don't necessarily want to get into uh pewdiepie apologizing for being for saying racist things uh we might talk about it at some point in the future uh, it might happen again who knows uh, we'll take that opportunity then but Right now, we're going to be talking about, finally, Destiny 2, which... So, I, I keep joking that, uh, you know, I, I keep joking that basically I am entirely composed of Destiny right now. I've played so much that uh, I, I don't see anything other than Guardians. I see public events in the street. I uh, look at at uh, loot boxes dropping from the sky in uh, in my neighborhood. It's crazy. I'm entirely made of destiny. Um, people who have been listening for a while know that I was completely in love with Destiny One when it came out. Even more when the first uh, expansion came out, and 
I have been in, enthralled by the second. Uh, the second one came out a week and a half ago now. Um, yeah, I love that game. Uh, we're going to go into. I made the mistake of not describing what the game actually is in my first in my French uh, podcast, and people told me, "Well, if you don't know what it is, then you didn't make a great job at explaining what it is." So we're going to get into this, but. First, uh, John, well, you have a podcast about the damn game, so I'm guessing you like it. I Actually, I've listened. I know you like it. But um, yeah. what did you think of how, what, uh, you know, uh, uh, spirit did you go into Destiny 2 with? And, and what do you think of it? And, you know, very quick summary, and then we'll go into more details. But uh, what, what do you think of that game? It's, I have a very love-hate relationship with Destiny. Um, Destiny 1, I really loved conceptually, but it just, there wasn't enough content and there were too many design oversights for it to really scratch my MMO FPS shooter itch. And when they announced Destiny 2, saw what they were about and saw how they were reapproaching the game, um, I knew I had to be involved and wanted to be involved and be a part of creating content for it. And man, they, they, for me personally, they blew my expectations away. I didn't, I don't want the game to look different. I don't want it to play different. I just, there's just a lot of broken systems and, uh, just kind of a, like a history of bad storytelling in destiny one that, they needed to address and i think they were smart to just make it destiny to go okay we, we've got a bunch of mistakes that we can correct here's what we did here's destiny 2 so and, do you think it fixes uh, all the 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 issues you had with the first one it it addresses every issue that i can think of fixes is a little bit too absolute of a word mm. for me to comfortably use but i do think in the sense that uh, you know, in, in Destiny 1, it took three expansions to even really feel like, oh, there's a story to this game. Not like they opened up a Dungeons and Dragons book full of terminology and just kind of <laughs> said, here, Peter Dinklage, read these. Uh, <laughs> you know, I feel like they've actually really addressed the story, made a great cinematic single player experience i know you and i got into it a little bit on twitter yeah (laughs) we'll we'll talk about about that so yeah but i really enjoyed it so we'll talk about this in a second but for the people who have no idea what destiny destiny is um and destiny one and destiny two are very similar uh they're basically variations on the the same principles uh my the way i explain it is that basically destiny two could be Destiny one after a couple of major expansions. It's it's not like it doesn't change everything as you would expect from you know it's still the, the game in the same series, but really there's like the same enemies, the same systems everywhere, the same uh uh you know type of gameplay. It is entirely uh similar to the first game with corrections is basically what what John was saying there's a lot of uh, addressing things that didn't quite click in some ways in the first game but basically what it is is uh, a think of it as a single player campaign 
of a uh, FPS, so a shooter, in space with very rich lore, but in my opinion, very poor story. So you can go through it. The, the, the thing I compared to is Call of Duty. I think it is in its uh, basic uh, conceptual uh, uh, ideas. It, it's Call of, if you only look at the single player aspect, it's Call of Duty. You follow a story that's not very, uh, you know, not very well established or written with a lot of lore and you go through it and you go to the end and then you're done with the main storyline, right? But what changes in Destiny is that they are... First of all, the gunplay, just like Destiny 1, is incredibly satisfying, like in ways that are difficult to describe. I've heard people talk about it in, in many shows, saying the way you feel when you get a headshot or a critical shot, like from the sound design to the graphics design, it activates something in your brain that makes you want more. It's And just, it's a very strange, it's almost, you know, a, a surreal experience where you shoot an enemy in the head and there's this little pop and whoosh and, and shoot of light that makes you feel, yes, I'm awesome, I want to do this more. So the gunplay is excellent. And then they they meld into the single-player experience. Uh, if you want to, they, they meld in uh, multiplayer co-op in a way that has never been done in any other game that I know of, in the sense that, or maybe uh, MMOs, um, recent MMOs, but in the way that it is very... Uh, um, is very satisfying because you have people running around uh, around you and they congregate you and make you work together for like public events or uh, quests or anything or, or dungeons. Uh, well, actually, those you have to uh, create a group for. But you you feel like you're all working together in a way that is incredibly efficient from a systems point of view. And that was the same in Destiny 1. So all of those things are, are very well done in Destiny 1. Two, but they were already there in Destiny 1. So the game, what the game ends up being is this immense playground where you do have a single-player uh, uh, story that you can follow. Again, in my opinion, it's not very satisfying, but it's there. But it's an immense playground where everyone is there together, having fun, shooting guns, and uh, accomplishing feats of uh, awesomeness. One of the things I also mention is the fun of doing a, a dungeon where the difficulty, a strike in that, that terminology for Destiny, the difficulty is so well-tuned that you you really feel challenged, especially when you do it for the first couple of times. You're not sure exactly how all the mechanics work, but you feel challenged enough that it's difficult, but not so challenged that you're banging your head against the wall. And when you manage to actually do it when you complete it it's the like you feel like a hero you feel like you've accomplished something because it was you were running around trying to resurrect your friends and like shooting that last enemy while others were like you know that the boss while other enemies were shooting at you you had a sliver of health left you were jumping and you activate your special ability and the the enemy is almost there and you keep shooting even though you're you know you're gonna die and you finally get them and it's like 
I, I'm awesome, you know? <laughs> and that's, that feeling is very unique to destiny, I think. Um, it, uh, you know, if you combine all of this with the multiplayer aspect, which is, again, very, very uh, well done. So you go through the single-player campaign, you reach a certain quote-unquote, high level, and then uh, you start to grind gear in a very Diablo or WoW way. Uh, you progress quite a bit until a certain level. There are plateaus, but then you can progress again. And But it, it's very satisfying the way you keep getting accruing additional gear. Maybe after, you know, 50, 60, 80 hours, you start seeing the limits of that system. But I think after you've played 80 hours, you've pretty much gotten your money's worth. Um so yeah, I don't know if that yep. description is is the best one, but at least it should give you an idea of what the game is. Um, talking about the story, John, yeah, you actually think this is a good story? Absolutely, I do. I, I so, think it does a great. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the story to me is there's a bad guy. He shows up, kicks you in the face, and then you. Uh, work for like you kill enemies randomly on random planets where your friends have gone and then finally you kick him in the face it's uh, the comparison to call of duty i think is apt there as well because call of duty is also like you run around somewhere you're not sure why you're killing bad guys and uh you're going from one character to another you're you don't know what's been happening and then in the end you win and in this one there's the added insult of they take away your light. This is like the big thing. Your light is what makes you immortal. It's what, it's what makes you like a guardian. And the enemy takes away your light. And it, this is not a spoiler. Everyone's been telling it everywhere. And it's like, I'm not kidding. Like 20 minutes later, after this dramatic, horrible moment where your essence has been taken away from you and your, your, what does it mean to be a guardian without your light? Are you even still a guardian? You go walk around in the forest and you're like, dude, seriously, like there's this thing in the forest. Like if you touch it, like you get your life, your light back and you touch it and you get your light back. It's been 20 minutes. So it nullifies entirely this, this huge dramatic development. And then you go to some other planet and you're like commander who's completely emo desperate about losing his light. He sees you. And he sees you have your light back. And he doesn't spend half a minute asking you about this. Like, how did it work? Can we get it too? Like, what's happening? He's like, oh, you got your light back? All right, cool. Uh, you know, there's these uh, dudes. They're like chewing the cables in our base. Could you go shoot them? Because they're really annoying. And that's it. There's no conversation about anything. And the story is essentially treated on that level of... Uh, shallowness prove me i'm wrong oh patrick you're gonna make <laughs> me really dig in for this one so okay uh, first i want to address something and this is something you and i are both wow players so we can both appreciate this it's uh in an mmo it's this idea you have to con constantly balance know that there are millions of other players who are playing the same story as you of are you a special person or are you just another player around the special people? And I think 
it's this kind of reminds me a lot of um cat I'm thinking cataclysm where it's like you're the hero you're the chosen one you're gonna be the one to kind of take us uh to victory here and the idea with Bungie, whether you like it or not the idea with Bungie here is to say your guardian is special so special that the the light or the traveler chose you as his kind of liaison to <laughs> conquer uh, the the bad guy for whatever reason. I can totally empathize with the thought of that not being for everybody. Like, oh, you of know, course just, I'm the only one. Yeah, but the thing is, they don't even communicate that very well. They just, I thought I was just the guy who found that thing. And I only understood that I was the only one who found that thing because the, the traveler, whatever, chose me like midway through the story. I was like, oh, all right. So that's why, like, I'm the special. And if I'm the, that special, then people should be like s more surprised about that. They're like, oh, we thought it was impossible, but you're here. What? Why? What happened? Which also puts into focus that other issue of they went narrative with this story, and they're, it's basically Destiny 1 with more, well, maybe the, the first expansion, the uh, Taken King, which was really good, uh, but with more cutscenes. And the cutscenes are painful because they didn't record any VO for your hero. So what ends up happening is that the little robot, the little ghost that is your your companion, your your you know, uh, is always there with you, ends up talking for you all the time. Like people are looking directly at you and saying, "Oh, hey, excellent job, you're awesome." And the ghost, the little flying thing around you, is answering when they're talking to you. I love you. that. It's ridiculous. I love that. And I'll tell you why. It's the same reason why when I read, physically read a book, I don't want to talk track at the beginning, you know, press a button and get to hear what that character's voice sounds like. It's my hero. I customized him. I decided what race and what gender they're going to be. I decided the markings on their face, <laughs> what color lipstick. She's wearing how close to Nicki Minaj I can get her to look <laughs> like, you know, I th that's my choice. I don't want Destiny telling me what my character's voice sounds like. I right, but then love don't that put him in narrative choice. But then don't put him in conversations one on one with other people or have an explanation why they can't speak and why, you know, they're mute or something. But all right. Anyway, uh. Okay, this is like I, almost. I an think aside, we can get over that piece. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's basically the story. I think is very bad, and you know the 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 narrative aspect of the bad guy could have been explored so well with his second in command was really interesting, but it ends up being two cutscenes. I didn't didn't even understand that the dude you know dies at the end something, but some someone dies at some point. I didn't even get it. Does anyway, he? well. Maybe. Um, I'm talking about someone else. Anyway, uh, that story, you love it because you're weird. I think it's crap whoa, because I have whoa, sense. Whoa. 
So here, here is what I didn't like about the story. We're going way into spoiler territory here, guys. Wait, 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 so, wait. Spoiler. Yep. I, I, I would like to remain spoiler free okay. if possible. Okay, let's just let's, fine. All right, let's address it at the end. At the very end, you'll you'll tell me what okay. that is. All right. Okay. But, let me let me write a little note to myself cool. so I don't forget. Um, okay. The. The, the the other everything else about the game i think the the story is again uh not great but everything else i think is incredible and i have a hard time deciding whether or not people who tried destiny 1 uh and didn't like it would love destiny 2 or would enjoy destiny 2 and i'm not sure because to me destiny 2 is exactly what destiny 1 was better in like uh you know, quality of life ways. Like you have a map now and you can fast travel to parts of it and you have public events uh, available on that map so you can know exactly where they are and when they're going to happen. And the progression, like the, the loot satisfaction when you get a chest, like everything flies out of it and you, you get all of it and it feels like a Diablo chest, basically, in that, in that feeling. Um, all of those things are better done, but... I don't know how different it is from Destiny 1. Maybe people who kind of enjoyed Destiny 1 but were annoyed by those uh, obfuscated systems will like it. But I think if you didn't like Destiny 1 at all, I don't know that you're, you you should even give Destiny 2 a try because it's really the same thing. Um, but if you, it, you know, uh, no, you, you disagree? I So I, I would say I, I would agree if you didn't like Destiny One at all, if you don't like the idea of an FPS MOBA or not MOBA MMO, you're you're right. There's probably nothing more that Destiny Two has to offer. Now, in my It's opinion, it's a pretty MMO I think, though, I, I, because there's no um, you know there's no questing, there's no huge areas to explore. I, I think saying MMO is what got people excited about destiny one and then disappointed because that's not what it was. I wouldn't call it. An I MMO. think, I think the disappointment destiny one or destiny is absolutely an MMO, but I think people automatically associate it with the, the other MMO RPGs that you play on PC with like these huge giant, massive worlds of collecting 10 boar hides for <laughs> this guy so that he can cook dinner so that he can feed himself to make you a cloak. You know, like it's, I, I, I get that perspective. It's, it's massively multiplayer online. You have social spaces. Now social spaces are limited to about 23 uh, people uh, per per uh spawn i guess i would say so the max that you can have is 20 i believe it's 23 it's like 23 26 or 21 somewhere in there but you're you're limited to that amount uh of people there which you know if you've ever been in stormwind and wow is peanuts but i would say if you're hanging out in hellfire uh or what is it whatever any other place very rarely is there more than that many people there anyway it's only for the big zones mm. that that really matters it's it's absolutely by definition it's an mmo but the scale of it i totally agree it's it's uh the scale of it is definitely smaller but the idea is that you are you spawn into a a world and immediately you can be introduced to new players 
people who uh, aren't NPCs and aren't you and aren't right. in your fire in team. In that sense, yeah, like, I agree. You know, I, it, I would it say is, it's more similar it bigger, to... It, from the structure point of view, it's a little bit more similar to Diablo than it would be to an MMO, I would say. it's uh, Except you have more people around you. That's true. You have more people around you and you roam... Uh, you know, in, in a place where there are a lot of people around or, you know, uh, maybe a dozen or so in that same space. And then you will have stuff that happens that you will take part in. Um, in in yep. Public events are yeah. foundational to the, the, the end game experience, uh, or at least preparing for the end game experience. And that basically can't be done if there aren't other people spawned in with you. So what um, makes it... What makes it, you know, what makes you love Destiny? What makes it so... Because I think there's a common feeling for people who enjoy this game, which is very visceral. You know, we, we enjoy it in ways that maybe we don't enjoy other games. It's like when we, we get into Destiny, it's, uh, it, it feels great. And we're like very much attached to this game and the feelings it, it gives us. What do you think does that, if it does that for you as well? I mean, there there are certain itches, I think, that the, just the game overall scratch, scratches. For me, I was a on-the-fence Destiny 1 player. Loved the concept, but in actual execution, I think it fell short in a lot of ways. At the end of it was fundamental gameplay, uh, I don't think it emphasized gunplay enough and emphasized abilities too much. I think they did an awful job setting a story. It's one thing to say, I didn't like the way they told this story arc. And another thing to say, there's a story arc, you know. <laughs> I think that that's the thing we maybe people aren't aware of if they didn't follow the story of Destiny 1 or the release of Destiny 1. And that was, if I say I'm not happy with the story in Destiny 2, it is... So much better than the story in Destiny 1, which was totally. non-existent. It was ridiculous. It was this like weird mystery wrapped into a, an enigma that nothing made sense. And there were names and there was so much lore, but no narrative line. That there was races and names and factions and stuff, but none of it, you know, had a, a coherent, um, a coherent narrative. But um, right. Sorry. Yeah. So what literally, what makes literally it really one of the biggest answers in Destiny One lore was I don't have time to explain why I don't have time to explain. <laughs> you know, where it's just yeah. like, come on, dudes, like you got to give me something there. Um, so what makes Destiny Two so like work for you? So Destiny Two works on a few different levels. Number one, I the actual emphasis on the gameplay itself. In the sense that I'm a, I actually paid for my first two years of college playing Halo. I'm a, I'm a, a pretty hardcore console FPS guy. I, so you I were guess competitive. I, I, have the I right didn't realize that. that. Yeah, yeah. I played on the MLG circuit. Was ranked in the top about 30 teams nice. in the world at one point. My brother and I uh, played, and you know, so I, I'm very passionate about my my FPSs on. Uh, on consoles and something that Destiny 2 or Destiny 1 did awful was it emphasized grenades and abilities and stuff versus um, the actual, actual gunplay. shooting people with. Yeah. yeah. It, you're talking about you the know. PvP aspect here. 
PVP, but even in like PVE, it's mm. not like, you know, oh, shoot the, the, um, the crit spots more and do better. It's like, you know what? Shoot them wherever you want and just build up your super. And then once you do that, everyone burn it down and that's done. Mm. Like that was really stale and flat for me. Uh, the second thing, the story we already talked about, um, you know, that destiny two really addresses gameplay. It addressed the story to an acceptable level. I personally really enjoyed the campaign. I can uh, totally see that it, it's not going to win any awards for storytelling by any means, but it's by far, for my opinion, it's by far from a bad campaign and a bad story. Um, though, it, it, like you said, at the end of the show, we can d- maybe discuss some spoilers mm-hmm. as to why, or maybe we'll discuss it some other time during the week where we can sit down and, yeah. and be completely candid but I mean, th- about The story, it, you go through it once, and then it doesn't really matter all that much, because really the game, it's like, again, like all of those MMOs or loot grinders, the real quote-unquote game uh, starts after you finish the story. So I don't think, even totally. for me, who don't like the story that much, I, I, I don't get too hung up on it. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. I I think that's an important point. The, the other big thing uh, for me is any meaningful PVE content was typically cheesable bugged. Um, There was no real in game or first party tools to finding uh, other groups. And so it's like, Hey, you need six other people to do it. Good luck. And (laughs) you know, you're just, you're just done where with Bun- or with Destiny 2, the emphasis on uh, community and clans and, you know, it's in some ways more robust than the clan system in World of Warcraft or a guild system in World of Warcraft, which I think is really amazing. In, in some ways it's not, but there's definitely some things like being able to log into an app and see your clan chat is... Uh, like I think a really great way to create um, create that that lifestyle type game that people want uh, to often have. I'm a, I'm a guy where I'm once I'm playing a game, I play it really hard and I want to be totally invested in it. And if I'm at work, I can't play Destiny Two, but I can jump into clan chat, see what everybody else is doing. It's they did a really good job on mm. the app piece. But I think to your point... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say to your point, Destiny 2 is mainly a PR moniker, uh, in my opinion. In the sense that from actual content, it could very well have been a very, very, very impressive and expansive DLC. Instead, what they say is there's a lot of people who quit, left, or, you know, just couldn't get over... uh, some of the things where destiny one fell short, let's call it destiny Two. make right. it easier for people to go. Ah, I'll try that. I really like destiny one. I had a lot of reservations because of a, B and C and uh, hopefully they address that. And I think that's ultimately why we have destiny Two. It's not because it's coming on PC. It's not because everything is so much different to your point. I can't really tell if I'm playing destiny one or destiny two mm. uh, from like a, even a graphic perspective yeah uh, it's a little bit better looking if you go back and watch uh, videos from destiny one it is a little bit better looking like there's more stuff in the world like 
you know but yeah it's not that that different you have the same enemies some of them are a tiny bit different you have like one additional enemy for each of the four enemy races or five but that's it um yeah, it, it really could have been an expansion. But for me, I think what really works, but again, I, I was a huge fan of Destiny 1, but what works is specifically for this one, I think they've managed to give you the feeling of progression a little bit more because you always get something, whatever you're doing, and there's so much to do. Like until we reach the plateau for power, um, and that takes a while if you're uh, not a super incredibly crazy player like us who's going to sink in 30 hours in the first week. Um, you, there is always something to do. Always. Like you, you go in and you feel like you're doing five things at once. You're doing a mission and a challenge and a public event at the same time and a, a patrol. Like it's, it's super, uh, uh, it's teeming with stuff to do and activities to offer you. And if <clears throat> if you have friends who are playing as well, you can jump in. Uh, it's even more <coughs> friend. <coughs> I'm sorry, <coughs> friend friendly than than something like Diablo is, or that WoW is with the uh, new uh, adaptive level thing, where if you join someone, you adapt to the level. Um, here, it's it's just. You go into one of the areas, you have uh, side missions that you can do even when you're max level. Uh, you have, uh, you know, things to find in the world, which we didn't mention this too much, but Bungie does this like no one else. They include like small mysteries that people go out and, and find and work on as a community. Um, and they've done this for years and they're incredibly successful at this like even in something as simple as one of those public events so to give you an example you you have the map in front of you and there is a point in that map that says public event coming in uh you know two minutes so you go to that spot you board your little sparrow thing which is a speeder from star wars basically you go to that spot, there are going to be other people usually that are there because they've seen it as well, so they're going to congregate. And at that point, something happens. Like there's an alien drill that comes into the ground and it starts drilling, so you have to uh, protect it, to capture it as the enemies are going to come and try to uh, dislodge you. And in, in all of those different public events, if you do something specific that is never explained in the game then it turns into a heroic version of that event. It becomes more difficult. But that, it's, it never tells you, shoot that little spot when it lights up or kill that enemy that is protected by a shield uh, unless you stand on that spot or stuff like that. And the feeling of community that it creates, I think, is second to none because it forces everyone to work together together to figure it out. And the best thing is that once enough people have figured it out, even if you never participate in the subreddits and the, the, the forums and the Discord chats and all of that, you start seeing it happen in the world. And you see people doing something specific that you see a few times in those events and you're like oh so they're they're doing something i should pay attention to here and you realize that when that thing is completed you you turn into the event into a, a heroic version and so you understand so there's even without 
chat or, you know, voice chat or text chat, there is this kind of communication and feeling of community that is created in in this game way more than in any other game I've ever I've ever seen. So that is a huge achievement. Um I would say there are maybe not enough strikes and not enough public events. They become a little bit repetitive after like eighty hours. Um Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. But, Won't hear any complaints here from that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh but aside from that, it's that it's that I think if we try to explain destiny to someone, we keep coming back to the immensely satisfying gunplay and ways of getting you to shoot stuff. And I think one other thing we should mention is items that have very, I mean, people think of an FPS and they might say, Oh, well you get better guns to shoot more powerful enemies and that's it. And certainly that's a big part of it, but there are also items that are called exotic items, which are, very you know like legendaries or like above above legendaries like in in diablo you have items that modify the way your abilities work and you have things like that in this game which force you to try different types of weapons or different types of uh, abilities which let's be honest the different classes are not all that different when you get into the the specific abilities they they might have different abilities but it's not like you're you're not going to be shooting the same guns, right? In in many games, you have different um, base abilities. Here, everyone's shooting guns, and you had gravy of different abilities on top of that. Yeah, um, absolutely. But some of the guns are going to be, or items are going to change your abilities in ways that are really fun. Like there are uh, some guns that will do uh, things in tandem. Like if you have. There are, there are uh, two guns that recharge one another when you get kills. So you don't need to reload. I mean, reload, not recharge. So when you get a kill with one gun, it reloads the other one. So you switch to the other one, get a kill. It reloads the first one. So you switch again. You know, that kind of mechanic. There, are, there were guns in, in the first game um, that would use your health as ammo as ammo when you were out of ammo or you know when the magazine was empty and it would make become more and more uh deadly so you would need to always be deciding should i shoot more because it it does more damage but at the same time i'm almost dead so should i reload instead to use ammo or and all of those things get into play when you reach max level and you start discovering all of those things which make for very deep and and motivating gameplay and i think that's plays a, a huge role into why people love this game. Um, yeah. Totally agree. I, I it's, could, it's a grinder's game for sure. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I could, I could talk about this game forever. Um, but I think yeah. we're, we're going to have to stop at some point. If there's, <laughs> I, I'm going to ask you the, the thing you like the best about this game. Can you define it? Like what's the, the thing that brings you back? Like, what do you love about destiny Two? If there's one, uh, thing. I mean, uh, it, I I hate to say this because it can honestly be said for just about any game I really enjoy. Uh, it doesn't matter about how good the systems are, how good uh, the graphics look, how compelling the story is. For me, it's all about uh, the community and how I can interact and engage with others. And I think. Destiny 2 really addresses and does a great job at making communities such a compelling um, part of the game. Like, 
if, if you're going to play Destiny 2 and you're planning on playing it by yourself and you're just going to solo and do your own thing, not going to use any of the LFG tools, not going to enjoy uh, join a clan, you're going to have a really bad time, in my opinion. Uh, I, at least I'm going to interject a, here because that's okay. that's very true, and a lot of people say that. But I have played Destiny One and Destiny Two ninety five percent solo and enjoyed a lot. And and I've come, I've used tools that to find people to do stuff. I've done raids in Destiny One. I've done nightfalls in Destiny Two. But I, I mean, it's easier if you have friends in a clan. But it's definitely doable. I've done it solo. So I just want to mention it, it this is for doable. People. It, it it totally and is doable it. and and I, I i meant to and i probably should have been more clear like include lfg tools in that mm. because it's i i'm i'm often the same way where it's like cool what is my you know what community do i want to be i don't want to commit to a clan maybe i'm not active enough maybe i just don't like the people enough and haven't found <laughs> that place to call home you know yeah but um the 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 idea that you can like have a really good time playing destiny for the span of years without uh doing a raid or playing trials of osiris these game types that don't do matchmaking for you so you have to you have to physically go out and create your group um, it's just it, it's very lacking. It, it doesn't make it that special of a game anymore, uh, which I, I, I would say is very different than it not being a good game or not being, you know, fun for dozens of hours of content. But that's the that's the difference between between being a good game and a great sticky game mm. that'll keep you coming back over and over and over again. All right. Well, community is definitely something interesting in Destiny 2. And uh, as I said, it's done in so strange ways that that other games don't. I mean, WoW has been taking a little bit of that, well, the mysteries that the community has to figure out. But Destiny does it really, really well and did it first. So anyway, uh, as I said, we could talk about Destiny for hours. Uh, but poor John does have to go back to sleep at some point. It's the middle of the night for him. Um, we're going to get to that spoiler thing you wanted to mention. But before that, if people just w- don't want to listen to the spoiler part, uh, can you tell us where people can find you on the internet and your many podcasts about many games? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me personally everywhere at Kicked Tripod. Where does this come uh, from? Twitter like, is this Twitch. at some point someone kicked your tripod? You were trying to film yeah, something, and okay. exactly that's no. Um, so it's actually I asked for I got an Xbox uh, for Christmas and for my birthday, which is two months after Christmas. I asked for Xbox Live, and I was like. 13 at the time like just barely old enough to have an xbox live account and so it was a big deal for me to ask for hey mom will you, and it was at the time where it was even weirder like mom will you put your credit card number into this online account so that i can play on uh, the play internet video games on the internet <laughs> yeah especially in rural minnesota you know it's it, it it was definitely so. I'm like, there's no way I'm getting it, but I'm asking for it, and mm. I did get it. My parents are awesome, and uh, when I was setting up my online account, my Xbox Live account for the first time, 
it had a um, you know enter your username or let us generate one for you. And the first one that was recommended was kicked tripod. And I thought it was like, really? hey, that's kind of cool. It's unique. <laughs> Uh, it's also, you know, insinuates things. So, you know, I'm 13. I'm okay with that. Oh, right. And okay. I'm, All right. I'm just, I see. I'm, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but are yeah, you? So it, it, you, you know, uh, that's for me and People. my future wife to know. Exactly. Uh, so... Um, but yeah, so it's not like this amazing story of anything. It is it's kind just, of amazing. It's a random gen. It's just a random generated name that I thought was funny. Thirteen-year-old cool. me thought I was thought it was funny, and twenty-seven-year-old me still thinks it's funny. So excellent. All <laughs> right, so kicked tripod on uh, Twitter and everywhere else, and Twitch. You can find my Hearthstone show well met at wellmet.blizzpro.com. You can find my Overwatch show, The Payload, at payload.blizzpro.com. And, of course, my Destiny show at r2ocast.com. That's R, the letter, to the number, O, the letter, cast.com. Stands for Return to Orbit. And I actually do a little side show as well with uh, a guy called Trevor May. He, If you're a, a baseball fan, he's a closer for the Minnesota Twins. And he's a big video gamer, and we do a weekly just kind of, you know, shoot, shoot, shoot the the sh about uh, you know <laughs> just video game stuff in general, and that's called the weekly intake, and you can find that just in your podcast catchers. It's it's by far my most lazy podcast, <laughs> <laughs> the one that requires like very little you know, prep time. It's like, what, what do we want to talk about this week? But that, that's where you can find me everywhere. Excellent. Well, those are often the best ones too. So you can go check that out as well. Excellent. Uh, for me, it's not Patrick on Twitter and Facebook. You can find this show at frenchspin.com. Uh, you'll find other shows there as well. If you enjoy uh, my ramblings and uh, that is going to be it. Uh, if you don't want to listen to a couple of spoilers, you can stop listening now. Uh, ooh, uh, well, actually, before you leave, um, I will mention that I have announced uh, also if you enjoy my private life. Yes, I'm going to go there. Um, we're actually expecting a baby. So it, come January, Whoa. I will be a father. And uh, I am excited and terrified. Yeah. So there you go announcement made i'm not going to dwell over that um i mean the community has been incredible very lots of well wishes it's been very heartwarming and uh yeah there's wow. going to be a tiny baby with a scarf somewhere so there congratulations you go. thank you very much little, sir <laughs> well, that's amazing i'm so excited i usually have my soundboard up i could have done something <laughs> but i don't uh wow that's amazing thank you thank that makes you. me so happy um yeah so i did want to mention it because you know the, the the people listening have been following me for a while and through many many things including you know going to work for blizzard and then going out and becoming a podcaster and meeting my wife and and getting married and now it's the next step so uh yeah this is going to be really fun i hope and very challenging but rewarding as well everyone's been telling me you know basically good luck uh but uh right so <laughs> let's get back to what's really important 
which is, you know, people have been telling me, yeah, getting a baby is like the most incredible feeling in the world. And I'm like, sure, but this year we're also getting a Zelda game and a Mario game. I think that kind of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's great, but Mario and Zelda the same year? I mean, uh, surely yeah. that has to rival it, right? Um, yep, perspective. <laughs> uh, so, spoiler. All right, we're going to get into that spoiler territory be- for for a minute before we close off the show. Uh, so if you don't want to know any spoilers about Destiny 2, you can stop listening now. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, John, what's the spoiler? Okay, so we were talking earlier on in this show, we were talking about the story and you're telling me things you don't like about it. And a lot of it, what I equated to is that it just moved very quickly. And I, I can totally empathize. I'm like, yep, I totally get it. I cannot believe that the arc was resolved so quickly. Um, this guy comes in, kicks our ass, <laughs> like, uh, you know, literally kicks us off the ledge, takes all of our light. You know, I'm, I'm fine with the arc of like, hey, we were chosen and we're the ones who are to be representative you know, we are in, in like the gladiator of the light to Gaul, right? We're the we're the chosen one. I'm I'm fine with that. But I, I thought and I even said on Return to Orbit, I, I said, like there's no way like this is gonna be three, four expansion arc. This you know, this uh quest the, to get getting your light back, you mean, and, and kicking Gaul's ass? Yeah, well, even like not even necessarily getting our light back. We knew the shard of the traveler was there from like the farm. And so it was obvious that we were going to have some form of pseudo light there to like sustain us and be able to, you know, fight back, but not to a meaningful level it, it is what I I had thought. Um. You know, and I thought, cool, like maybe the the end of the campaign is us, you know, getting back to the tower, which I was right there. I was mm-hmm. like, cool, we took the tower back. We took back our home base. Amazing. Uh, but instead, it's like, well, we at least semi defeated Gaul. We took back the tower. Our light is back. And, you know, we've got new foes incoming and and there's all these other things going on and i'm like really this guy comes in literally blows up the tower literally takes our light like powerlessly not like oh we put up a good fight and you know it was really close but ultimately he came up on top it was like he literally walked like didn't fire a shot just walks in lifts us up in like the grip of one of his hands <laughs> and you know at the end of it we're like yeah well i can 1v1 you on your <laughs> own ship 20 levels later and i i hated that i hated that it's it's true that but, you know basically he takes us on at the height of our power and we spend the whole game gaining that power back and then all of a sudden we can kick his ass it is I like I did like the fact that it was resolved that it was basically yeah he's dead that's it yeah, we're not going to drag it forever you know it, it, like the I I enjoyed the surprise that he's not the boss in the raid for example you know I I I expected him to be present for much longer so it's kind of the opposite of what you're saying I suppose but 
I, I like that we dealt with him and that he's done. I just don't like how it went, especially as you're saying, it doesn't make sense that we get our light back, but we're not, I mean, maybe because we are a different kind of subclass, but it doesn't really work. And the fact that we get our other subclasses, which is so important to the lore, and we have such a big hit, like, it's just an item you get, and then you go fight weird stuff in that part of the forest, and ooh, you have your other subclass back. That's it. And yeah, I can get that. Like, I like mm. the lore behind it, the little trail of these, you know, kind of light, light figures. Yeah, like, I like that to, like, explain the story of it. But it doesn't, and, it, it dives know. back into Destiny's one stuff. It's like, and the warlock saw the light and the thing, and he walked towards the abyss, but then the abyss looked back, and, you know, it doesn't tell story. It's just weird mumbo-jumbo that doesn't make sense. No? Some of it, some of it is. A lot of it is because Destiny 1 did a, such a bad job at hiding the meaningful lore in the grimoire if you haven't read the grimoire, it, you're right. It doesn't make sense. What is, you know, the abyss and why would a warlock be, you know, uh, right. staring at it? Like a lot of those questions are answered in the grimoire. I don't know if that's an actual example. No, it is. Whatever. But, but you know, but it's the same really- at destiny one. It's the same. If you did look into all of the, uh, lore on the website, then a lot of it made sense. But here, I mean, there's more story and more explained, but still, those parts where you get your subclasses back, it doesn't make sense. And even, you know, the, the worst part of, well, not the worst, but even the your ghost says it doesn't make sense. Like, a, a couple of times, and there's a lot of that, by the way, if you don't like Joss Whedon humor, you're not going to be into the uh, commentary in, in this game. Um, but even the, the ghost says... Oh, I can't wait to go fight, you know, to go find light stuff that I don't understand again. You know, when you do it the second time, he does. He says that at some point. So they even make fun of the fact that it doesn't make sense, which I, I like the nod and I like the, you know, uh, the the self-referential and self-deprecation stuff. I'm all into that. But I would have been more into having stuff that did make sense because towards the end we really get back into that nonsense Uh, i i like the part where you have to walk super slowly and painfully towards you know the farm as a a guardian that that was such a great cinematic experience totally I like the relationship between Gull and his basically dad that isn't his dad. And Gull gets super, uh, you know, he's basically, he has daddy issues for sure. But I like that relationship. But again, it's not very much explored. I didn't understand that they killed the the speaker. That, you know, when his mask falls, I'm like, oh, we're finally going to see what happened, what is uh, behind the mask. But actually what it what they mean is he's dead. And they're like, oh, all right. Well, has that been confirmed anywhere? I guess not, but I mean, he's nowhere. And I think people have yeah, said that he's dead. I don't know. But again, you know, I mean, it's unclear. I, it's it's not. Yeah, it's not clear enough for me to be like, oh, speaker's dead. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it's also 
like not ambiguous enough to be like, oh man, when are we going to find out if the speaker's <laughs> really dead or not? It's like, yeah. hmm, I wonder if they're going to run across a story arc where all of a sudden they the speaker shows up, the speaker back. Yeah, you know, that would be cool. Yeah, I, I would love to see him back. I, I I don't have strong feelings either yeah. way. Uh, you're totally like the problem is. I think that the destiny world and lore is so expansive that I don't, I I don't know that if they're going to do a, you know, I would say a let's say 12 to 15 hour campaign. Um, if they're going to do a 12 to 15 hour campaign, I don't know how they could get us from losing our light to defeating Gaul. I don't know if they can get us there in that amount of time without, moving really quickly and skipping over important points. So the but, question is, is it a mistake then to make the arc go that far? Um, or is it, should we have more supplemental supplemental materials? Like I would love some, you know, destiny novels. Imagine being able to get destiny no- novels on the history of the o- warlock and, you know, get Osiris, which is, you know, another spoiler alert, the the next leaked expansion, right? Where right. Uh, we're going to learn a lot more about the Warlock, presumably a lot of the answers of getting our subclass. I would I would have to assume I uh, get answered during that time as well. So, yeah, I mean, I do think the, the explanation I have is they spend a huge amount of time thinking about systems and how to make sure that the game works and works with a small, quote-unquote, team with minimal infrastructure needed for creating an MMO-like experience. Like, the the way they handle servers as a mix between... Uh, you know, peer-to-peer and centralized is incredibly clever. The way they do the animations, for example, like if you've ever noticed, all of the animations are just one animation. The reason why your guardian teleports to its ship, you know, in and out, is not to look cool. I mean, it kind of looks okay, but the reason is it allows them to put in that animation to do it once and use it everywhere. Same when you put well, out your they ghost. Have trans effects, though. Yeah, sure, but that's again a thing that you can do once. You don't need to redo it for every uh, time a guardian gets into a ship. Same with uh, you know if you actually had like the ship land and stairs come out, and you or same when you put out your ghost to interact with an item. You don't have to have the hand come out and press buttons or and you don't have that to have that be connected. You just put out your ghost and it's the same animation everywhere. It's all of this is thought as how can we be the most efficient possible to make a great shooting experience? And I think it's it that is what we feel in the story as well. I think they put together the systems, the uh they focused on, you know. Uh, making quality of life changes and making sure that the systems, the core gameplay was as good as it could. And this, the, the campaign and the story is kind of an afterthought. And if they can, and, and on top of that, I think I'm sorry for the writers at Bungie, but I think the writers are not super, super talented. They're not really good because the, there would absolutely be a way of 
telling a story of redemption for your guardian and and finding some way you know it, it would have been dumb like you find this one item that is goal's weakness the way every lazy story is ever done to justify the fact that you can now beat him after having, you know, uh, regained your light to the level that you were before. It's not like you're stronger. So why can you beat him so powerful, so easily? Just find this one item or this one thing or, but it's not, it's an afterthought for them. I really believe it's a, it's not their focus at all. They focus on the systems, on the infrastructure, which, you know, on silly things that were still, that were there in the, in the first game. How do you manage a menu system without having to navigate through uh, menus and submenus with your uh, with your joystick and and have it a good experience that is mouse like? It's it, the the thing they found the interface is genius. That uh, you know navigating with that little reticle that you go that you. Um, that you bring over different items sure. and it, it it's really well thought out. And those are the things they're focusing on. They're making a game. They're not making a story. So that's I my can, explanation. But. I could agree. I don't, I don't like the world. I, I don't, I don't, sorry. I don't like the word afterthought because I, I don't mm. think, I, I think that they harsh. were intensely focused on the story what I don't think Bungie even still realizes today, because Bungie is a, to your point, a gameplay and systems company. When it comes down to it, uh, even like the Halo stories, how many questions were left unanswered in the Halo stories? And obviously that's over a decade ago. ago so a lot could even change, even if they were an amazing storytelling, com- storytelling mm-hmm. company then. It doesn't necessarily mean they are now. It's 15 years later. Uh, but but they are. They, they make incredible gameplay, and they're really, really innovative with the systems that they design. But when it comes to story, I don't think they realize when you have a franchise like Destiny or Halo, how much people want to know and want to live in that world. And I don't think they've given us enough as players to be able to quote unquote live in the world of destiny. Mm. I want books, Patrick. I want (laughs) comics. I want movies for, you know, obviously that last one's uh, way (laughs) down, you know, but but yeah, but like, imagine like there's no, in my opinion, there's no reason why we, we shouldn't have these complimentary books and novels about really important and really intriguing stories in the destiny universe. Uh, I feel like it's a great fit. I feel like destiny is an amazing franchise to, you know, bring on uh, some great writers, sci-fi writers to, to tell some really amazing stories about places that it's like, it's really hard to say, it's really hard. Okay. You have three classes, three subclasses. It's really hard to tell, specifically the story of each of the subclasses or even the fact that why these uh why these classes exist let alone their subclasses right yeah uh, well i mean they un- could they the, the irony is that the setting is amazing the idea that you have you know our world humanity at one point there's this weird 
thing that shows up that's a giant bowl of we don't know what that shows up and makes us evolve into a race that can explore the solar system. And then, you know, we have hundreds of years of golden age as we colonize the entire solar system and the that thing, that traveler, uh, um, terraforms moons and planets. That's an amazing setting. And it can lead to so many compelling stories. That's why I think... They're, you know, they're more of a lore than a story company. And the lore is great. It would make, they have the basis for great stories. It's just, that's why I say maybe the harsh words, word of afterthought or that they're not focusing on it or whatever. But they have the possibility for making something awesome. They, they just don't do it. But if I'm being yeah, honest, the... yeah. The conclusion I would get to, because again, I could talk about this for hours, but you need to go back to sleep, or unless you don't <laughs> we have to. We are and talking case, about it for hours. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't want to go back to sleep, I can keep going. Um, but um, the, the conclusion I would get to is, I would much rather have the version of Destiny we have now than them making a less good, you know, if that's the choice we have, making less good gameplay and systems and better story. Because ultimately, the story in the video game, I think, depending on the type of video game, but the story in this type of video game is something you enjoy for a little bit, and then you have the systems. And there's enough lore that it works. Um, if they had less focus on the gameplay and the systems to focus a bit more on the story, I think ultimately the game would be less compelling over the many dozens of hours that I'm, that I'm playing it. So I'm happy with that compromise just to, I, I am too. I think that's a really good way to put it is if, you know, I, I was given two alternate realities and one where there's a perfect destiny story, but the, the gameplay and system isn't that good. I'm like, give me a movie. Like, I'd, I'd rather just, <laughs> right. you should have just made a Destiny movie um, versus the flip side of having amazing gameplay and systems with uh, an acceptable uh, amount of story and one that they've shown that they're committed to making better. And I, I think that this is, it's a step forward on against anything that they've made so far. Like, it's, it's by no means in my, in my, opinion as a step back um or even a um just a like a complacent like meh good enough type of thing i i genuinely do believe they tried really hard i just don't think that they understand when when you say zur agent of the nine i don't think they realized how many people would be so passionate and so intrigued on what is the nine <laughs> why did you put that there and destiny's like well we actually just it sounds really good. Like the guy who names things in destiny, like he's, he, he, he's, he's gotta awesome. be, yeah. he gets it, man. He just gets it. I love the whole medieval sci-fi thing that we have going on, you know? And I, I, I love that, but I don't think that Bungie even fully realizes that every time they're like the abyss, what's the abyss? <laughs> you know, like, I don't, I, it just but sounds you know, really cool, right? 
it, it's really interesting because um, Blizzard has been doing this. And, you know, we're, I mean, we know Blizzard very well, so we reference it all the time. But Blizzard has been doing some something somewhat similar, but immensely more satisfying with Overwatch. They're sprinkling stuff here and there and telling parts of stories without ever giving you all of the other, uh, you know, the, the detailed explanation for everything. But they're giving you little bits that you can latch onto and appreciate for the world of Overwatch. I feel like Destiny does little bits, but that are not satisfying because it's just, as you said, it's just names. It's just, I think uh, Jeff Kanata in, in uh, DLC described it as lore. And I mentioned it a few times. It's basically, it's a lot of lore, which is great, but there's no... Uh, actual story and that's something that i think a lot of people do when they they a lot of people say oh i'm a i'm a writer i i i'm really creative and what they do is just create complex uh names and settings and worlds but no story and that's a really common failing in creative endeavors the the hard part is not to come up with really weird names and sects and factions. And the hard part isn't that. I can come up with weird names all day long. The the hard part is to make a compelling narrative. And that's the most difficult part. So what are, what the Bungie guys are really good at this, at, at the lore portion, building weird, intriguing, uh, you know, uh, uh, concepts that you're going to go to, oh, wait, the the Vex and the Fallen and the Hive. Like, I bet you half the population playing Destiny could not tell you what the Hive is or what the Fallen is beyond those types of enemies that they shoot in the head. Still, like, the Fallen is a compelling type of name. And, but, you know, there's the scouts that Ikora sends out that are like this special covered ops thing i can't remember the name but again when you hear it in game it's like oh awesome but it's not a story it's not a narrative and that's the hard part which bungie is either for focus or talent or whatever that they're not doing the lore awesome great but building on that is not i mean maybe if you read the grimoire you get all of that but then why not they they haven't found a way still in this version they haven't found a way to expose it in a satisfying manner in the game, I think. Right. And I think I think that's that's the biggest point that I would say is mm. uh, if you go through like uh, have you seen the the my name is Bife hour oh, and hour a half long. long? Yeah. I I I've, I've seen, seen like yet? I've watched 5 minutes of it and then stopped, but I think I'm go- because I was busy. I think I'm going to go back and and rewatch it. It's an hour long destiny story uh thing that summarizes everything, right? Yeah, it's I mean, it's an hour and a half summary. So basically what we're complaining (laughs) about now, like he does, too, but it's in a more satisfying manner. Um, But like if you're like, I don't understand these fundamental basic things about the world. It's not your fault. You know, Bungie, basically what they did with Destiny and Destiny, Two is they go, here's the big important points. Gaul, bad. He took your light. You need to get it back, <laughs> uh, make wheel and go kind of thing. And, you know, in fact, the the grimoire and stuff is really rich in lore. But not only is it like painstaking in the sense that you had to go to the website to read it, 
there's dozens of websites of people who have tried to um, organize it, it mm. in a way that even just organize it. Like the fact that grimoire cards you get aren't necessarily in order of like how they are best digested and read as a reader mm. means that you don't totally get it. And unless you're really committed to, you know, Scooby doing it and figuring out like what, what is what, like you're going to be lost no matter what. And that, that was a huge failing on, on Bungie's part. And it was their way of like, it, it, I think Grimoire was the afterthought that you're talking about, Patrick, in the sense right. that it's like, oh my God, there's so many things that people are going to want to know and that we want to tell people, but there isn't a narrative space for that because we didn't create one because instead we have really cool looking guns. So let's just make these Grimoires as you unlock certain milestones, kill a certain amount of hives or uh, a certain amount of these enemies, you unlock a Grimoire. And you can read that on our website and learn more about the uh, enemy that you just defeated or whatever. And yeah, it's I, just it, it it's totally an afterthought from that perspective. I think if we're talking about game development and project management, I think all of this is actually a. If we want to see it in a good light, I think it's a positive because it means they know what game they're doing. They know what their focus should be on, and it's very easy to get distracted. And that's why I was saying if, you know, the alternative would be that we get a better story, but not as good, not as polished uh, gunplay and gameplay experiences, I wouldn't be happy. And I think they know this too. I think they realize our focus should be on making it incredibly fun and satisfying to shoot stuff in the head. And that's what we're going to do until our fingers bleed. And the story is going to be in a grimoire. It's not going to be as satisfying. You know, yes, it's a little bit wonky because you find your light exactly two seconds after you've lost it. And I think, by the way, that was basically retro-engineered into the story when they realized they needed to make it uh, Destiny 2 and not just an expansion, uh, kind of. And they realize, all right, we need to, and and that's why it feels so wonky because you lose it. Find a way to reset. Um, yeah, but and but what's what's funny about what you said? I, I want to let you continue, but what's funny what you said is I think the exact same thing that the Overwatch team said, <laughs> like as close to word to word as possible is right. like we're going to give you information about the lore in the world. They did it way better because. At the end of the day, a Blizzard is a company that makes worlds and universes and not just games. But um, I just wanted to add that one thing because it's so funny because Jeff Kaplan is basically when people are like, we want a campaign. Jeff's like, <laughs> shut up. No, you, you want to be able to shoot people in the head better. Trust us. But here, here's May in her Summer Olympics t-shirt drinking coffee in the arc. <laughs> You know, in the Antarctic. No, but that's that's what I was saying earlier. It's uh, but the Overwatch team, I think, does it in a more satisfying way. Maybe th- because they're more used to it. They have you know maybe a bigger they team, or I don't know. Maybe they they and actually it's probably a sm- much smaller team. But um, but their their sprinkling works in Destiny. The sprinkling is just more. It feels like you know that lost moment. It's like you wake up, 
you're on an island and there's smoke coming at you and a you know a, 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 a polar bear somewhere on that tropical island and you're like holy crap what is happening and there's some of this in destiny a little bit actually that's maybe giving it a, the story in destiny a little bit too much credit but then there's no follow-through so it ends up disappointing but um anyway uh, again I, i i really don't want this it's really easy to focus on the failings of this game and i hope i really hope that we've uh managed to focus on the the successes as well because As I said, it is a, a tremendous, tremendous piece of video game. I've played it more than possibly uh, any other game in, in the past, you know, in that two weeks period. Um, it is a tremendous uh, uh, experience. And I think unless you have detested Destiny 1 and you thought shooting stuff was dumb... Maybe it's not for you, but otherwise wait for it to to become a little bit cheaper, maybe, if you're not certain, and go give it a try or get it on PC or whatever, because it is that specific type of video game at its best. It's amazing, and I love it. So I hope that comes through as well. I agree. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, listening to the end, dear listener. And thank you, John, so much for uh, staying up so late to talk Destiny with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, it was a blast. I, I told you before, man, I'd, I'd, I'd take just about anything off my calendar to get to come join you on Pixels. So thank you. Thanks a awesome. lot. Thanks, and uh, hope you enjoyed the uh, conversation. You can go to frenchspin.com to let us know if you did. You can go to Twitter. We have the links in the show notes. And, uh, of course, we will be back in a couple of weeks with more incredible video gaming. Talk to you then. Bye.